heights to the depths of the sea. Verse 32. So Jer- Jeroboam, he ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month. You might want to underline that. Underline the 15th day of the 8th month and then put this scripture reference right above it. Leviticus 23, verse 33 through 36. And here's why. Leviticus 23, verse 33 through 36. Because notice what he did. He ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Our scripture today says, Now this thing became a sin. It was a sin when Jeroboam suggested it, but it was more of a sin when the people followed it. The people were so attracted to the religion of Jeroboam that they went as far as Dan which is at the far north of Israel, to worship at the shrine of the golden calf. Jeroboam not only reorganized the entire worship system to his liking, he also changed dates of the feasts that God had established early on. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 12 in the book of 1 Kings. In the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord and Rehoboam, king of Judah, and... And they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So having the feasts be in Jerusalem, he's got to think of something really quick to keep these people from going to Judah. Because once they start going, they're going to start warming up to Rehoboam. And you better believe that Rehoboam is going to give them the treatment when they come. Oh, it's so good to see you. You know, and hand everybody a thing of popcorn as they're coming into Jerusalem. Yeah, come on, I got popcorn and balloons for the kids. Come on, guys. And they're like, oh, this guy's so great, man. I don't want to go back to that Jeroboam. Right? And you better believe he would do that. So his motivation here, Jeroboam, was fear. Which is not uncommon. We all have fears. <laughs> and this was his. But notice in verse 28, Therefore the king asked advice. Notice he asked advice, but he didn't inquire of the Lord. And there's, here's another character flaw of Rehoboam, or Jeroboam, excuse me. So therefore the king asked advice, and make two calves of gold, and, and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to you? Notice that Jeroboam didn't ask the Lord, but rather he asked the rebels who are around him. And then he gets this demonically inspired idea of creating two worship centers now. Now instead of Jerusalem being the place, he creates one in Bethel, which is in the, you know, in the middle of the, of the it's still in, in the northern area, but it's one here and then in Bethel, and then the other one is up in Dan, right up on the border of Lebanon and Syria. And so in this, he's violating God's law, isn't he? 
Because God said that everybody should go to Jerusalem to worship, but now he's thinking he's going to lose his people. So he creates two centers, and then he does something even worse. He makes two calves of gold. Do you remember what it said in Exodus? (laughs) The Lord, speaking to the children of Israel, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall make for yourself, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down or serve them. And now what is Jeroboam doing? He's creating these two centers, two calves of gold, representing exactly what God told them not to do. And here he is, the progenitor of all things filthy, all things that are just spiritual adultery and idolatry. And he is the, the man who's doing it. And what's interesting, because in Exodus 20, he says that, God says that. And then in Exodus chapter 24, Israel affirms this covenant, and you can read it for yourself, but in uh, verse uh, 3 of Exodus 24, notice what the people said, how they responded when God said these things, gave them the Ten Commandments, including the ones I just read to you. This is what they said. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord of all, and all the judgments. And notice, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. That was the attitude of their heart, and that was a good thing. I don't, they didn't know their own rebellion. They didn't know their own heart, but that was what they said. And they said, and then again, down in verse 7 of that same chapter in Exodus 24, and they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. Again, they say the very same thing. And then finally, now you fast forward seven or eight more chapters, and what is it that the Israelites do? Exodus 32, we know this very well. Let me just read the first six verses. Moses, remember, is on top of Mount Sinai receiving the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and other laws and statutes as well. It says that when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, and remember, they were only just a handful of months, I think three months or something like that, from Egypt, and now they're wandering in the desert. He's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. They're thinking the guy probably got bit by a snake. He's dead. We haven't seen him. So when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together and to Aaron and said to him, you know, this is uh, Moses' older brother who was the high priest, the high priest, the one who's supposed to be leading them in worship of God. And they said to Aaron, come, make us gods that shall go before us. And as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron said, something really wonderful and convenient. Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And so all the people broke off the gold earrings which were in their ears. They brought them to Aaron and he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it. Notice this. He, He fashioned it with an engraving tool. He did. Later on, he would tell Moses that he threw in the gold in the fire and out popped a calf. But we know that he really did it because he said if he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molten calf. So what Jeroboam is doing is nothing new. In fact, this, and and notice what they said after they completed that. They said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Isn't that exactly what Jeroboam said at these altars in Bethel and Dan? He said the very same thing. Same God they're worshiping. Same God. In fact, this calf 
The deity in Egypt is called Apis. Apis or Hapis is the name of this Egyptian deity that they worship. So if you're a cow in Egypt, you're in good shape. Right? And so they worship cows. And so when the Israelites came out of Israel or out of Egypt, they had learned idolatry. They've seen it firsthand in Egypt. So when they get out into the desert, and, and they actually show this, if you've ever seen, uh, there's a really fascinating video. Um, some believe, and, and, and I kind of believe this too, uh, I'd like to look into it a little bit further, but most people think Mount Sinai is at the tip of the Mount Sinai, you know, the Sinai Peninsula right there at the tip, but there's some others who believe it's actually in Midian, on, in what's common uh, modern-day Saudi Arabia. And there have been men who have gone over there. And, and this place is um, not easy to get to, and you really can't get over there unless you want to risk your life. But there, there's images of, and they, and they believe this may have been where the exodus really occurred or where, they, where the real Mount Sinai, Jabal Musa, really is. And so there's a debate about that and don't really know what to think about it yet. But there, there's engravings on stones that go back to this era, and they think that the Israelites were drawing these cows because that, that's, what, that's the golden calf that they made at that very site. They, they drew pictures of this, and they had all these different things that, that seemed to lead that that may have been the place. But this apis, this bull god, was what they worshipped. Pretty interesting. And notice, and he set up one in Bethel in the, um, uh, just north of Jerusalem, and then Dan, way up in the northern part of Israel. In fact, we visit this place, Dan, up where the headwaters are from Mount Hermon. Is it the Hermon, the snow, even in the summertime, the snow is still melting. And the water comes down into a, couple, a handful of different tributaries, and they form the Benaya Spring, and ultimately they go into the Jordan River. Uh, and then they go down to the Sea of Galilee, down through the Jordan, ultimately being landlocked in the Dead Sea. But we visit this center when we go to Israel, this very site of Dan. And you can actually go there. I got pictures of it. And you can actually see uh, they reenacted. They, they've got the altar. It's, the altar itself is gone, but the, the foundation of it is still there. And you can see where they worshipped, where they did this with the golden calf. And um, that's the exact spot where it happened. And they sacrificed children. They did all kinds of horrible things up there. But that's where Jeroboam set up one of those golden calves, was up there. And it's really interesting to just uh, sit there on that spot and, and to have this passage read to you, realizing so long ago there was a worship service Worship services where people were doing these heinous things and worshiping this golden calf. And you're, you're right there, and you can see it. It's quite amazing. And so now this thing became a sin for the people. They went to worship before the one, even as far as Dan. And he made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. So Jeroboam was completely in the wrong and directly rebelling against the revealed will of God. We know that only the Levites were the ones to offer sacrifices. And so now he's just, he's doing anything he can. He's grasping at straws, trying to retain his power, keep the people in the northern part, making these two centers giving them what they really want. And let me tell you something. The, the, the flesh loves to do anything but worship the true and living God. <laughs> the flesh will do anything but worship the real, true, living God. 
And notice, verse 32, so Jeroboam, he ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month. You might want to underline that. Underline the 15th day of the 8th month and then put this scripture reference right above it. Leviticus 23, verse 33 through 36, and here's why. Leviticus 23, verse 33 through 36, because notice what he did. He ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month. But what does Leviticus 23 say? Let me read it to you. Because this was God giving to the children of Israel these feasts that they were to do. It says now in verse, uh, Leviticus 23, verse 33, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be a feast of tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. So the fifteenth day of the seventh month is the feast of tabernacles. But what does Jeroboam do? He has a similar feast. The same day, but a month later. On the eighth month, 15th day of the eighth month. And so now, instead of going down to Jerusalem, just hang out here for an extra month and we can do it up here. And that's exactly what he does. And it says that, you know, which he made, he made this feast day. God didn't make that day. That was something of Jeroboam's doing. So Jeroboam made worship convenient. It appealed to their flesh. And false worship will always be convenient and appeal to the flesh. You know, we need to be careful about worship because in our country, there's so many people in the church, and I'm not saying any of you, but there are people in the church that, are, that they worship worship. They don't worship God. They, they say they do, but really what they're worshiping is how they feel when the worship team does what they do. If I don't feel good about what happened, then I'm not worshiping, or I, I, didn't, I didn't worship today. Well, you certainly didn't because your eyes were on the worship team. And you certainly didn't do it because your eyes are, not, are on yourself about how you feel. And let me ask, is, is worship about us or is it about God? It's about God, right? And so we worship him when we sing the words of the songs. We are, we are basically invoking our heart, hopefully to wake up to get out of ourselves and to really think about the words, and hopefully the words, they glorify him. And if we're doing that, then we are worshiping him. But if I walk away from the worship service, and, I, and it, there, wasn't just, there wasn't enough up-tempoed songs, I didn't have the lights, there was no smoke on the stage, there wasn't a guy in a black suit with a camera going around like this, you know, and you know, zooming in on people and getting right up in your face while you're lifting your hands, you know, and got, you know zooming in on you. You know, is that worship? I mean, may, it, maybe it can be, but... When you get to that level, something else is happening. And we got to be careful. Because much of worship that is happening in the churches in America is not worship, all, worship at all. It's entertainment. It's Christian entertainment. It's a concert. If the music's loud and it gets me going, then man, I've really worshipped. If I'm tapping my foot and, because it's all about me. I mean, it's all about you, God. I mean, wait, is it about me or is it about God? We have to ask, the, ask that question. There are people who have left this church because the worship wasn't as upbeat as they would like, and they left. And I love them, and I know who they are, and I love them dearly, but their attitude was wrong. They're worshiping something else. Hopefully they find the Lord in it, and wherever they go and they worship, hopefully they worship Jesus. Because, folks, we could worship the Lord with the same song 
on one string banjo. If our hearts are right, we can worship with a tune, an out-of-tune guitar. If our hearts are right. And Sarah's guitar is never out of tune. And my guitar sometimes was in tune. So it doesn't matter how many people are up there. See, our whole attitude about worship is so messed up. And we get that because of all the stuff we see. Mega churches and big churches. Oh, they got this huge worship team. And boy, if that's not happening, it's not really worship. You better leave and go find someplace else. Oh, that's just a, a dismal place where the church has gotten, if that is our attitude. And we can't, we got to resist it. Because worship is not about me. It's not how I feel about worship. And so we grow in that, don't we? Don't we grow? I mean, we grow in our worship of God. And, and that's okay because God wants us to grow in it. And I'm growing. I'm continuing to grow in worship. I remember this last time when we went down to uh, Calvary Chapel of Philly. They had one guy on a guitar. <laughs> one guy with a guitar. And he was singing hymns. And there were 1,400 men singing their guts out. And the roof was just buzzing. So many men singing in that room. One man, one guitar. Can it happen with just one man and one guitar? Even if the light bulb is not quite right on him? You know, can it, can it happen? Yeah, it can. And it does. And God blesses and anoints it. So be careful about worship. Because Jeroboam was completely in sin. And it's an, a sad commentary that it's because of his leadership and what he did that the northern ten tribes, they never, ever stopped their idolatry. Never for once. They always continued. They had a great, great leader in Jeroboam and doing these evil things. And the northern ten tribes, they continued to do it. And that is precisely why they were the first ones to be taken captive by the Assyrians in 721 B.C. God had had enough of their new moons and their feasts and them feigning to worship God. And he's like, you know what? I've had enough of all the noise that you're making. And I'm sending Sennacherib, and he's going to come, and he's going to take you captive. And he led them out with fish hooks in their jaws and in their lips, and he led them out on a chain. Yes, God did that. Because his own people had played spiritual harlotry and a spiritual adultery, and they never, ever stopped. And Judah was down in the south looking at their northern sister, hopefully learning something. And it wasn't for another 150 so or more years before God had to take them captive. Because they didn't learn either. And God warned them. He warned them over and over again. So he made offerings, verse 33, and we're ending here. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made. Notice, he had made this altar in Bethel. On the 15th day of the 8th month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart, notice, and he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. And so, as we continue on in Kings, you're going to see that only a small number of people from Judah were really good kings and the rest of them were evil, but all the kings in the northern ten tribes were 
perpetual evil from beginning to end until God had to take them captive. And so, you know, I, when I, as I think about uh, Jeroboam, I think about worship, you know, let, let's, let's be careful about that. You know, anything can be idolatry. You know, you can idolize a job. You can idolize, uh, an idol can be your spouse if you're not careful. It can be a, a car that you love. It can be a, a place on the, on the lake. And, the, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying things. God wants you to enjoy those things. But when those things become more important to you and you're willing to sacrifice anything for them, and that is the real litmus test, is whenever I, I can't do without it, I'll sacrifice anything to have it. Then you become like Gollum with the ring, my precious. <laughs> then it becomes idolatry. Then it becomes a problem. Then you know you've gone too far. And the best thing you can do is give that up as quickly as possible, if the Lord calls you to do it. But you've got to get your heart right, right? And so let's, let's, uh, why don't we stand together and let's pray. And, um, and may we never uh, get involved in those kinds of things either. Let's, let's keep our hearts pure before God and all things that we do. Just come before him and say, Lord, forgive me for all my sin. And Lord, if there's anything, and let's pray that tonight. Father, if there is anything in our life tonight that you could put a finger on and say, this, this thing is keeping you from me, Lord, help us to be willing to, to, to own it. And, and Lord, you may not require it to require us to get rid of it. You may, you may not. But Lord, help us to be honest. If there is anything in our life that is more important than you, if we would rather do anything else and we, just, we, we couldn't part with this one thing. Lord, help us to be very careful. And Lord, help us to remember that worship is never convenient. It's never easy. Lord, it should never be convenient. It is a sacrifice. And Lord, I confess to you that worship as we sing is probably one of the most easiest ways that we worship. Although my heart doesn't always even want to sing to you. And so, Lord, would you change my brother's hearts and mine, Lord, uh, that we would just be better about this, that we would really uh, examine our hearts about worship again. And, Lord, that we'd be careful. Lord, we thank you, and thank you that you accomplished the greatest worship service. It happened on a cross on Calvary. Lord, that sacrifice was the greatest worship service, and it was yet it was the most ugly and the most painful. It was bloody. It was horrible. And yet, God, you received your son, and the proof of it was on the third day you rose him from the grave. And so, Lord, we thank you for that provision and help us to remember that that's the, that's the benchmark, Lord, is what you did on the cross. And so we thank you, Lord. Would you please encourage us tonight, Lord? I pray that you'd bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. They're on their way home. Keep them safe. Bless them tomorrow as they go to work and whatever they put their hand to. Encourage them, Lord, and protect them and, and, and provide for them and everything, God, that they put their hands to. Would you provide and bless this body here at Calvary? We thank you, Lord, for your great love for us, Lord. You are so awesome. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good night. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.